Sooners of Oklahoma at 12-0 and still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of The Barry and Mac Show. This one, a preview edition for the Bedlam football game this Saturday. Somehow, some way, the Sooners were able to get a 6.30 p.m. kickoff against the Cowboys, and we don't know how. But as always, myself, Barry, personal trainer, sports performance coach in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and alongside me, former Sooner, 2000 national champ, Mr. Damian Mackey. How are you doing tonight, D Mac? What's going on, B? Doing well, brother. Let's jump right in, man. We we got we got business to tend to, uh, and uh, these boys got to win this damn game. Yeah, man. The Sooners are five and five. They are um, in a tough spot. You got two teams who you know it, we've said Tech might be the tougher of the two, not knowing what was going to happen with Sanders. But now you're in a position where I, I had heard through the through the grapevine that it was a strong chance Sanders would play. We now know without a shadow of a doubt he will be suiting up and playing quarterback for the Pokes. And that presents some problems, man. The, he can move in the pocket. He's you know he's good with his feet. He's got a good enough arm that he can do what he did last year. Last year he. Had, Probably one of his best games outside of the bowl game was against the Sooners. The the stuff he went out there and did, especially in the first half. I mean, he he essentially tore a, a defense apart that is a a lesser defense now than it was a year ago. So I'm gonna put it out simple. What do the Sooners have to do? And is there anything that they can do to get the W this Saturday? You know, B, I think this game is gonna it's gonna I think it's gonna be a fun game to watch. I think there's gonna be a lot of big plays. I I really believe this game's gonna boil down to who wants it more and, and really just kind of like team pride, state pride, rivalry pride, because both teams are a shell of what you know they thought they'd be in the preseason. Uh, but both teams have a have a passionate and and personal beef with one another, especially with those guys beating us in Norman or excuse me, in Stillwater last year. We want to make sure we return the favor to those guys this year. Um, so, you know, obviously we're going to talk about some scheme. We're going to talk about some matchups. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how productive and efficient Dylan can be on offense. He, we can't afford to have those giveaways where he misses somebody streaking down the field wide open. You know, it's interesting, right? We talk about this quite often, but I think this was the first week where on social media and on Twitter and on YouTube, people are like, holy smokes, there's people with nobody 10, 10 yards around them and he just misses them. You know, lots of conversations about, you know, his inefficiencies when plays are, are literally drawn up to be touchdown plays. And then on the other side of the ball, man, you know, uh, a lot of conversations around people saying, oh, you know, the defense played well the first half against West Virginia and then on the second half. And I say, guys, look at the film a little deeper. That's not that's not necessarily the case. What happens is in the first half, JT Daniels plays half the snaps and, and the offense is going back and forth. Whereas in the second half, it's all green. And when green's in the game, he's the best athlete within our 
um, defense to front seven. There isn't anyone in our front seven that can contain him. And so second half, second half, I, I think they punt twice. And and they go in and score, you know, on every possession but two. Um, and he's consistently picking up third and short, picking up fourth and short. And so those two matchups, um, Barry, are going to be two that obviously come to mind. It's it's Dylan's efficiency on offense. And if we draw up and scheme up a play that's supposed to be a chunk play or a TD, we got to score. And then on defense, our guys like two and 28. Are they going to be able to create angles um, where when Sanders has to has to um, has to scramble, they can actually pull the trigger and make the play? It, it's it's going to be a lot of, you know, seeing how that all plays out. Um, but I'd be willing to bet the five key plays in the game will boil down to our quarterback slinging it to a guy who's probably wide open or open enough. And do we make those plays and execute? And then on the defensive side, third and medium, third and shortish, fourth. I mean, gosh, we suck on fourth and medium too, right? Third and fourth yeah. and medium. Can we create the angle necessary to contain the quarterback and then pull the trigger? Those those are the two things I'm going to be looking at. And, you know, we'll talk about it more in the off season, but, but over at Sooners 360, we have looked at a little bit of the film uh, I've done, you know, somewhat of a deep dive and just kind of the performance side of, of what Gabriel has, has given to the offense and he has brought a ton of positives, but there is still another gear that, that they just haven't been able to get into all season. And a large piece of that is. They have not been able to be consistent on third and fourth and medium. And when you, every time you look at great offenses, that there is one common thread, and that is on third down, they can convert. You go back and look at Ural's offense in 2000, you look at 0304, you look at 08, you look at everything from 15, 16, 17, 18 even 19, and that's where we kind of saw that dip start to take place, the the third and fourth down conversions have just not been there, and guys have been open. You know, the, the, there are some elements there that, that we dive into on the site that just the, not everything is quite clicking as it should, and, and because of that, a lot's going to fall on Eric Gray. I, I think in this game, just like he did a week ago, he's going to have to go out there and try and get 200 yards. The offensive line is going to have to move some guys around, and this is not a pokes defense like we saw last year. You know, the last year they they were senior laden. You had a guy like Malcolm Rodriguez in the middle who's making hay in the pros. He he's a guy who was just a phenomenal athlete. Showed that at the combine. You know, guy jumped darn near 40 inches. And and that they don't have guys like that on defense, but that they do seem to make plays when they need to. They did it against Iowa State. They've done it against other teams this year. I, I all in all, it's a better football team in, in in some respects. My question is: Is there anyone outside of Eric Gray having an enormous game that that is even going to have the capability? to carry this team to a victory short of Dylan Gabriel just playing outstanding football? Does OU have that guy on the offense? 
You know, the beautiful thing about rivalries, uh, Barry, is that a lot of times it's often an unheralded player. It's often an unusual suspect. It's often, you know, somebody who we're not considering. And, and this feels like a game because I think not necessarily that the teams are evenly matched, but there's just probably an equal amount of unknown on both sides of the ball where there's opportunity for people to make plays when the opportunities present and so uh i you know i said it last week and i'm like oh god but it'll be interesting to see how many and when turnovers happen like those could be huge pivotal moments in the game in fact it 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 it, it probably would help us to create some type of a generate some type of turnover early in the game to get some early momentum we all know dylan plays well if we have a lead and and there's a sense of, or I wouldn't say, well, he plays better when we have a lead and there's a sense of comfort knowing one mistake doesn't kill the team. It, it, it always feels to me like he's afraid to make a mistake. And there's an element of football where that's good, but there's also a part of the game where you gotta, you just gotta have a little bit of that Baker in you where Baker was unapologetic about doing what he needed to do. And I think Dylan, uh, that, that's a, that's a, that's a flat out minus for him. He, he has shown that in a, in a position where, you know, it's kind of like, dude, go make a play. It's it's not very likely that he makes that happen. And so, those turnover questions, those turnovers, and, and the questions of when those happen, Barry, I think are going to be an issue, or are very interesting. Um, I think you're seeing a kid like you know, I keep bringing him up, but Farouk is emerging, right? I would love it's again, just kind of you're getting the air of a game that you know maybe there's some you know Hollywood Brown, right? He made a name for himself in that. And that that uh, OSU game, I think that's the 17, the year before he really went crazy, where, you know, he can, you know, Farouk can have one of those type games or, uh, gosh, what's the kid from San Diego who makes that huge play in Norman maybe seven, eight, nine years ago? Uh, what's, what's his name, man? I don't want to make fun of him, but he had the issue with, with Murray. He and Murray had a, a lady issue, I believe. Uh, anywho, let me, let me, damn it. Don't, don't edit that out, but. That wasn't cool to say, um, but no, nah, you know, it'll be interesting to see which one of these guys come up. And if there's a, so somebody who we're not thinking about, maybe Willis comes and shows his head and, and continues to, to to handle business or or maybe it's a. Um, I don't know, man, wouldn't it be crazy? Somebody like Marcus Majors or, you know, one of those guys shows up and makes a huge play. You know, we'll just have to see, man, because I think there's just so many unknowns um, that we are 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 going to be interested in seeing to see who who that individual might be and i also want to touch on something else that you just spoke on b and that's simply this you talk about third down and uh you know a lot of guys play ball from peewees to high school ball to, to, to college and then obviously you see it translate in the nfl as well third down is generally the play where the better player has to make a play the more experienced player has to make a play. The more savvy player, the more cerebral play player, the better leader has to make a play. And, you know, again, there was a lot of talk about, you know, coaches or players or scheme. And, and again, we see it every Saturday. There just comes a point in time where a good player is put in a bad play and they make it work. How many times did we see Kyler Murray do that? How many times did we see Jalen Hurts do that? How many times did Baker Mayfield? Guys, I I, I remember being in, on the field and, you know, coach calls, you know, blue 35 right. And we line up and we're going against Nebraska and they've got three guys in the B gap. 
It's almost as if they heard the play that we called and Josh gets us in a better play or Josh audibles to a pass and makes the play like people can't hold coaches accountable once the players get into the huddle. And it's the part of football that makes it dramatic, that makes it exciting. It's the part of football that people really enjoy because it's it's literally like watching a movie and no one knows how it's going to end until it ends. And so, you know, I think about that and I look at Saturday and you're like, okay, <laughs> not to make a cinematic reference, but you're thinking to yourself, who who's going to be the, you know, the person who provides the drama, who's going to be the person who provides the action. And the, my fear is on offense, generally your alpha, your leader should be in theory, one of them minimum, your quarterback. Yep. And then on defense. Your, your leader, your alpha, one of them minimum should be your mic. And for us, both have struggled, I would say, on the physical side, both of them at a differing degree, whether it's Dylan missing a pass or just being timid on a key down and kind of just giving it away and not feeling like there was a lot of energy or it's, you know, to DU where it's him and the quarterback, right? We talk about the game against K-State. It's really him and, and Martinez. And how many of those did he did he win and how many did he lose? It's him and and last week, Green, right? There's an opportunity to cut off the angle or create the angle and, and put yourself in a position to pull the trigger. Both of those positions go back to my initial point on can coach, you know, coach is going to have to do a masterful job of scheming up defenses if, if i was coach just just so you know if i'm coach and i don't move them to weak side in i'm probably blitzing du more than 50 percent of the plays like to me when he's in a position where he can blitz and he can be putting pressure and, and eating grass pre-snap or right at the snap of the ball that's when he's the best which of course that's where he's the most comfortable because that's where he's played the majority of his career prior to the switch um and i'd have a safety robbing or i'd have to cheater robbing you know somebody just essentially covering him up, covering his job, uh, because we leave him in a position where he's got to cover four or five yards off the ball. We're in trouble against Sanders. Sanders is going to eat him alive and consistently pick up third downs. Man, it it's going to be tough for the defense, you know, no matter what. I, I think in this game, the secondary is finally going to get tested to to some extent. And the only reason I say this is. The Cowboys are going to be pretty healthy at running back this go round, but 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 teams really haven't tried to throw the ball on Oklahoma the past few weeks. That they've said we're going to run it and try and try and stop us from doing that. Uh, so the secondary hasn't necessarily been tested. Uh, I'm curious to see how, how the corner positions hold up. Uh, we saw Jaden Davis leave the game. Last week, you know, going to be interesting. I don't necessarily think that there is a massive drop off between him to Colden. You know, outside of Davis, I probably a little bit better open field tackler. Um, but outside of that, I, I think it's about a wash, you know, for the most part. I think it's going to come down to the front seven, as you said. You know, can the defensive line take advantage of an Oklahoma State? offensive line that just hasn't been near as good as they have been, you know, past couple years. That this is a team on the front that is 
probably a little closer to to Nebraska in terms of you know what they kind of look like on tape than they are to, to a West Virginia. Well, West Virginia still had some guys who could move some people, and and Oklahoma State just hasn't proven to be able to do that on a consistent basis this year. So so do guys step up and have big games? This has felt like one of those games where where every year, you know, in twenty, Ronnie Perkins did just played out of his mind. A year ago, yeah, the defense actually played pretty well, especially in in the first half. I, I wouldn't say they got key stops, but Woody Washington had an interception down the stretch. Uh, but but you're just missing so many guys uh, who who could be playmakers for this team, but because you're just absent them, man. I mean that there just isn't enough dudes on the defensive side of the ball to consistently make plays. So you're going to have to have guys step up. If you had to put a percentage chance on it or, or say what is more likely to happen, is it more likely that the, the secondary makes some plays to get this victory or uh, does the defensive line show out and uh, and and maybe – you know, write a few of the 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 wrongdoings the the past couple games. You know what? It's gonna it's gonna require a complimentary effort on on the defensive side of the ball. And here's why I say that: we're not gonna man up very often, right? I mean, we might we might match up on the on the weak side of the defense. You know, kind of a a, a, a boundary man zone. If there's one guy, you kind of stay with him. But because we play so much zone to the field and because we play so much zone to the strong side of the formation it puts our defense in compromising situations our our, our back seven because all of them generally are watching the ball until the ball is thrown and we haven't shown to have uh guys who are consistently playing at a 45 and what a 45 means and it's kind of what royal was talking about when he came on Roy was phenomenal at playing at a 45 one eye is on the quarterback one eye is inside of him seeing what's coming towards him and then having a feel for what's going by you and who could potentially be trying to sneak behind you our guys i mean at backer it's it's forget about it and at safety um, some of the safeties are good. Morrison's pretty good at Robin six. Five is obviously is, is who we need on the field. 12 is inconsistent this year, but he's shown he can do it. I, I feel like if our D line doesn't get pressure, we're in trouble because our defense is going to be in zone more than 50% of the time. And it's not going to put our corners and our safeties in a position where they can essentially quote unquote, lock a man up. It's just not, we just can't expect that to happen with the way our defense works. What should happen is, the D-line and any type of pressure games that coaches implementing should force pressure. The quarterback should throw the ball when they don't want to or should be sacked or be put in a, a position where they've got, you know, a lot of things. Bullets flying is what they like to call. They want to see if they can pull the trigger when the bullets are flying. And are because everyone's watching the ball, turnovers should be seen by or opportunities for turnovers should be seen by the back seven and they should make plays. If the D-line doesn't, Stop slow dancing. I'm going to start calling them the Sadie Hawkins crew. If they don't stop slow dancing, <laughs> or, <laughs> the, the secondary is in trouble because there's easy ways to flood the zone. There's easy ways to run a high-low concept. There's an easy way. There's easy ways to run in-out concepts. 
where you all you got to do is get a corner with his hips flipped one way and you cross his face and then you cross his face, you know, a high low uh, or you overload to his side and one guy's open because he can't flip his hips fast enough to get to the guy sticking to the direction his hips aren't. So give me the D line, man. I just don't have a lot of faith in him. So can I ask you a question on, on them? They have, it feels like maybe the past three games that they've run a few more stunts up front, you know, than they have for, for a large chunk of the year. What is it? it? My point is it does not feel, especially against Virginia, that they were relatively effective. What does, does a defensive lineman at, when it comes down to, to their job, what they do with their hands, what they're doing with their feet, what does it take? For those stunts to work because because the general premise is you're trying to do something that the offensive line is not expecting you're trying to confuse the blocking schemes and make things difficult but it, it seems past two three games and then what we've also seen leading up to that you know in a few spots here and there that it hasn't really been an issue for offensive lines handling that uh well, what's behind that <laughs> Um, it goes back to a conversation we had about a month ago, and it's it's a it's a predictability or a predictor. When a defense knows an offense has to set their protection a certain way, let's say let's say 14's a dude, and in the first three or four possessions, their right tackle or left tackle just can't he he's 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 consistently you know. Uh, uh, beating him or pressuring off the side or crossing his face and and creating you know, an, an inside out or an outside in, excuse me, dip uh, right into the quarterback's face. Now it puts the offense in a position where we know how they're going to set their protection versus an offense who's watched film and says, hey, when they line up in, you know, with a zero and a three or two, two eyes and, and, and wide nines or a five or whatever it is. We they they all they do is they run analytics on how many different stunts they'll see and they rep the the hell out of them in practice. They rep them on air. They rep them good on good. They rep them in scout. They rep the. I mean, they walk through it right. And so in in the game, it's just a rep to them. Oh, you know the the three technique crossed my face. Okay, I better sweep. I better satellite and get my head around and see if the end is coming. Playing a game, which by the way was a which a which was a really good stunt for us earlier in the year. We killed Nebraska with it. We we got we got um downs looping around coming through the A gap and and cleaning up shop earlier in the year, right? So when you don't have a guy who can just beat his guy, well then they just play head up. They feel confident saying, "Hey, listen, we're gonna man block this way. We're gonna zone block that way. We're gonna right. We're gonna we're gonna man block um to the to the call." And we're going to zone block away from the call. And if it's five on four, a quarterback can put the running back in the route, which puts more pressure on the defense and then puts a defense or coordinator in a position where he's less likely to bring heat because now you can really get punished. And so when I when I look at that, that that's number one. But number two is our guys are bad with their hands. Our guys have bad hands and bad eyes. Our guys, uh, bad hands means they don't get pushed. They don't they don't have a punch where off the snap of the ball, they can get their hands fired first and stunt alignment. They have bad eyes because when they start to play with what they call hand games, you know, they use the, you know, they call them uh, 
throwing their knives. I, I forgot the term they use, but they don't get hands off of them. When an old lineman extends on you, do you know what they do? What do you think the old lineman does with their hands once they get once they get you fully extended? They, they what do you lock think they you do? Up. By locking you up, what do you think they do with their literally they, with their hands? They grab a hold of you. You're damn right. <laughs> they hold you. <laughs> and in football, it's it's illegal, but it's legal, right? If a lineman has you extended and he's holding you and his hands are inside, they're never going to call a penalty. But if you beat his hands and he has to reach and grab you and he's outside or he's crossing his body or crossing your body, generally you'll get a penalty. That's called bad eyes. Mm. It's bad hands first because you got to have punch to give yourself that room you need. You want to get his hands down so you can get into his chest. If you can get into his chest, then you just got to beat half the player. It's just like receiver and DBs. When I'm playing receiver, I'd much rather have the, the DB be be belly to belly to me and not necessarily belly to belly because we're running but you know within arm's length versus right i told you about that one-on-one me and roy had back in the day when roy's in the show if roy's close to me all i gotta do is beat him quick and then i can get by him when roy backs up a yard and gets big and it's like oh shit right it's a different <laughs> trust me it's a different game so same thing applies in d-line d-linemen have to get their they either have to stunt them or just beat them at the line of scrimmage, but also, man, their eyes, our, our, our D linemen, it's almost as if, it, you know, it's it's almost as if we have robots where they're like, coach told me I got to take up the B gap and they just willfully, it's like they're kamikazes in, in, in Pearl Harbor. Like, instead of being a stud who says, hey, man, I'm going to, I'm a fighter pilot. I'm in a, I'm in a, you know, I said, I'm in a jet. I'm going to drive, you know, drive. I'm going to fly down there and, and shoot up five guys and then go home and, 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 and see my wife tonight. It's almost as if our guys are like, okay, I'm supposed to die. I'm going to just give myself up. But then when we watch film, coach is going to say, I didn't not do my job. Like, dude, that's a double negative, bro. Like, in what world are double? I know double negatives make a positive, but in football, you'd rather just be an ass kicker, right? Like, you'd rather just kick ass and say, yeah, man, I actually kind of just demolished my gap and got on the other line of scrimmage and sacked the quarterback. I promise you, you're going to get more kudos when you do it that way. Looking at our guys, you just, I mean, we, you know, it's week 11 and I don't want to be, God, I don't want people listening to the pod and be like, man, they're so negative. And then, or, you know, a lot of people say, Mac, can you tell the truth? I want to be positive. And, and the thing is, Barry, there are guys who have shown they can, it's just so inconsistent. And that's going to be a huge determining factor. You know, we talk about the second level in the backers. We we could talk all day about the D line too. Yeah, I mean, and you you mentioned it earlier. Just like the Texas game, and and I will say, OU is at a much greater advantage going into this rivalry game with a competent quarterback. Totally changes the dynamic. I think anybody who who's anybody knows OU doesn't get shut out in a rivalry game if they have Dylan Gabriel, you know, down there in Dallas. But I want to ask you about a game since we are uh, about to play the Cowboys and essentially anything can happen. A lot of fans are extremely curious as to, and I want to ask you about two other games as well. But really, the game in that 2000 season, you guys took care of business in 99. But but in 2000, you guys went to Stillwater. 
you you faced a team where Bob Simmons was the coach. Fans haven't heard that <laughs> name in a Bob. while. Yeah. yeah. Bob Simmons, uh, he was on his way out. Everybody kind of knew that. I, I think that just fan observation played a factor. And th that team just wanted to play hard for him. Kind of maybe the idea of John Blake, you know, at Oklahoma, kind of a, yeah. a similar uh, guy in personality, a, a guy who was a, a player's coach that the players cared for and liked the guy. I've heard it from multiple people. But you guys went in there with, with a fantastic team that would later on, you know, play Kansas State to a close win and then obviously win the national championship. But going into that week, what were you guys looking ahead? What was there a little bit of reading the press clippings? Was the preparation not right? Because it took a Derek straight 40 inch vertical and maybe a couple extra inches and a tip ball to, to escape Stillwater without that loss. But what happened there, man? You know, it's funny you say that. Uh, reading press clippings. Uh, I want to tell you a funny story. So that week of practice, and by the way, we're, we were so busy that like, I mean, we read the paper and yeah, whatever, right? They, I'm not going to sit there and act like we didn't see the pub because definitely it was it was pretty cool to see the program turning around. I just never forget one day we're at me, Jay Hunt, and Roy Lee, and we're at the crib and uh, the news comes on and, and it's just like all this fandom, all the fans are buying all these OU flags and that year was just a magical year. It went from you know the 99 season fun games but then boom 2000 you know i i, I believe they added the ou the red ou flags or not flags but kind of like the little pins that are on all the lights around campus you know what i'm talking about oh game yeah, days yeah. Where you yeah. Those? yeah 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 i feel like they did it mid-season you know I, I don't know that they were there at the very beginning of the season i could totally be wrong but i feel like they did it mid-season and then obviously we beat nebraska right and then you know, we're, we're, we're the magical game at AM. You couldn't go anywhere without seeing a million OU flags. I mean, just hanging out people's windows. The, I don't know if they still do them. I imagine they do. But the oh, ones yeah. you kind of roll up your window, you stick it in, and the flag's kind of hanging. So one day, Roy and I come home from practice. Uh, Jay and her, who knows, whatever, the three of us. And we come on the news, and they're kind of, you know, singing our, our praises or whatever. And they're like, man, all the OU flags all over the place, blah, 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 blah. And, and the, the guy's like, the only OSU flags you'll see, that's a construction zone. You know, those little orange flags <laughs> that oh, are right. at construction zone. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got a good laugh out of that, man. I was, I don't know why I just always remember that 20 some odd years later. Just, you know, the guy, he's literally showing all these clips of OU games and fans and rain and snow and all the stuff happening. But those, those, those flags are just flapping everywhere. And then he's like, you know, I went around the neighborhood looking for an osu flag and this is the closest thing i could come up with and it was like a you know it had like the little <laughs> and it had one of those little orange oh man I, we, oh we, we, that's we, great but, uh, yeah we laugh but anyway uh to, to be very honest with you man nah we we actually had a we had a good week of practice preparation um I, you know i alluded to it before obviously t marshall didn't even know it's pretty crazy to hear right t marshall's on the show and then he he he, he divulges that he found out 15 years later actually he found out four years later or four or five years later that hype had his elbow hype's elbow was in bad shape and if you watch the game the first possession we go down and score curtis fagan catches a uh we run a, a levels route where we um running backs running an arrow route straight to the sideline receivers running what's called a slant stop he's essentially reading the middle backer 
if the middle backer runs with the arrow, he just curls up right behind him. If the middle backer um, is slow, he kind of runs a rub route where he runs his route through the backer. That way we can throw the arrow. And then if the corner plays hard and takes the arrow and then the backer plays hard and takes the slant kind of slant stop curl, we run a uh, corner out to the the tight end behind it's every every program in america runs it now but we, we run that play kurt catches it for a touchdown i believe it's the very first possession of the game it's our it's, it's when we score a touchdown um we go to the sideline sit down and josh is like bro i, I can't throw we're like what, what? he's like I, wow. I i can't throw yeah and so uh you go back and watch that game by the third quarter um oklahoma state is literally rushing two. They're rushing two guys. They've got their so what they ended up doing is they're fanning their DNs to the flat. Um, they're one of the D tackles just stands up and and plays a yard off the line of scrimmage. And he's not, you know, playing like somebody who's gonna mirror Josh. What he's doing is he's taking away our shovel pass. I mean, we had a very good shovel pass to Q where we we the low O line would create a cup and then Q would just turn around and Josh was shoveling the ball. It's almost like a middle screen. And Q killed Texas with it. I mean, he killed everybody. He killed K-State with it. It was a K-State beater because K-State played a certain type of coverage. They bracket with their outside backers and they turn and run. So the outside backers can't see the play. You just got to block the middle backer and Q's out the gate. So Oklahoma State sees that. And one of their D tackles just at the, at the snap of the ball stands up. And just waits a yard off the ball to to take that play away. Their safe, their backers and safeties sit at about you know twelve, and then take a couple steps back. But Josh can't throw the ball thirty yards. Like he literally can't throw the ball thirty yards, and so it puts us in a position where we're, we're screens and 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 quick game all day, and just a lot of pressure on us. A lot of pressure on us. I you know I caught a bunch of balls that 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 game, but I didn't catch a ball. I don't think I caught a ball. Five yards up the field. Everything he threw to me was a bubble or a quick screen or a three-step slant underneath the backers. Um, and there were a couple of plays he needed to make, and he did. But we just couldn't even play an honest offense. And no excuses. You know what I'm saying? I always take pride in that game, Barry, because that was, man, that was a hard game to play knowing you know, we didn't have an old an old line that could just lean on people. We just didn't. Those guys, you know, they if we get one injury, we could get one injury at guard. We had three guards to play two positions. Uh, and then really Howard Duncan is our third tackle. So if Howard doesn't get hurt and someone else gets hurt, Howard bumps out to play tackle. And that was it. Like that was the that was the depth on the O line with guys who could play winning football. Um but yeah, you know, you watch that game and it's a boring game to watch, but go watch their defense. It's fascinating to see there are several plays where one or two guys is rushing the quarterback and, you know, there's 10 guys, eight guys, nine guys literally watching and and we just can't even throw it 40 yards. If one of our guys beats coverage, he just doesn't have the arm to do it. So man, made for a tough game. Made for a good win. Um, D straight, shout out to him. Roy makes a key play as well in that game against, I want to say Marcellus Wiley. He's an NFL guy. Uh, they run a wheel route and he talked a bunch ahead all week. And Roy is running a wheel with him. And of course, in his hip pocket. 
you know what I'm saying, shutting shit down. And, you know, those guys made the plays, man. We leaned on the defense. The defense knew quite early. Some of the guys knew, or I, I, I definitely the coaches knew that, you know, we weren't going to be able to put up a ton of points. And uh, they made it happen. Man, if, if Hypo absolutely was not able to go, the, who was going to be, let's say that would have happened like mid-season or like two-thirds of, of the way through the season, who would have been the backup on that team? <laughs> Before I tell you, who do you think? I, would it have been Patrick Fletcher? It'd be P. Fletcher, man. Really? Okay. So Nate got a ton of two reps in practice. Okay. Um, J-Dub has a bad back. And I mean, listen, they who knows what they could have done, but they wanted to because you know J Dub played in, in uh ninety-nine. Yeah. J Dub plays in ninety-nine and he has an injury two thousand season, he's pretty much on the shelf. And I, I you know, I don't know the inner workings of how that could have played out because J Dub was a baller the day he got there. In ninety nine, J Dub was a baller. And J-Dub was more, I don't want to use Johnny Manziel because Johnny was extremely explosive, quick twitch, you know what I'm saying, for a cue. But J-Dub, J-Dub, he, he, he had wiggle, man, and, and, he, and he, he knew what to do with the rock with both throwing it and, and running with it, and he made solid decisions. We knew early he was going to be a player. He, we just didn't know if he would recover initially before his knees, it was his back. But I would be willing to bet if we had to if we had to play one game at BP Fletch for show. And by the way, P Fletch can sling it. He's just, you know, five nine, one sixty. <laughs> Legit. He, he take one hit too many and P Fletch is done. <laughs> P Fletch is done. But uh, you know, Nate took a ton of, of reps and practice a ton because they were they were preparing him for a two thousand one season. I don't know when in the two thousand season. No, J dub is J dub's J it would have been J dub. Now I think about it, J Dub was over there on scouts. Look, look, this is J Dub squad. No lie, this is J Dub squad. He's the scout quarterback. You ready? Okay. It's 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 Jason White, it's Mark Clayton, it's uh Willie Peoples, it's uh it's um Antonio Perkins, it's Atelio Ford, it's mm. uh I mean they had dudes over there. They're, they're there's a there's a kid I'm forgetting, but they. They they used to we we come and and Roy be like man bro they over here giving us the business and you know we didn't see them much once the season starts scout goes on their side and they're they're with the defense after one on ones you know we do indies all, all together we do some on air stuff as an offense but by the time season starts those scout guys are probably in fact they weren't even with us they were doing like crap for special teams they put those little yellow hats on. And if you weren't a one or a two, when we do like the second half of Indies with quarterbacks, a lot of times they wouldn't even get to stay because they had to be the look team and they'd have to be prepped for when we're doing punt coverage. Right. And the look team, that's going to be, you know, whatever the team we're playing against, how they scheme their stuff, they're going to be the kickoff team or whatever. So we didn't see those guys a ton B, but I would hear all the stories. I'd hear all the stories of man. You know, MC over there cooking. Willie P over there cooking. Willie P got to play with us a little bit. He got to be kind of a two. He was an emergency X because in 2000, they wanted me to focus on H. Uh-huh. Um, and, and Dre was Dre, you know, he, so Willie got to come with us a, a, quite a bit. But generally it was us five. Um, I could play X and H. 
Jay Norn could play H and Y, and then Kurt and uh, Savage would uh, both play Z. And then, like, Dre was the X unless something happened. And, uh, yeah, man, it, it, th those guys, and it would have been J-Dub. If we had an injury midseason, J-Dub comes over and we, we've got to figure things out. We have one injury. It's P-Fletch. Wow. I, I think fans are going to find that very, very interesting. That, that, that's I had never even thought about that. I hadn't even thought about that. Like, dang, that's that's crazy. And by the way, we freaking we didn't love him more than hype. We didn't love him more than hype, Barry. But we oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Oh, we love J Dub. J Dub. Oh, I wish I would have got them. I I always wonder because you were my last season's oh one. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let me just go. And I know this this episode isn't about me, but this is just my rationale. So yeah, my 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 last season's oh one. Um. J-Dub and, and Nate legit have a quarterback competition. And by the way, we're in meetings and, and Coach Law Mackey, what do you think? And, you know, they're they're asking us our opinions. We're giving them our opinions. And I'm like, J-Dub, J-Dub, you just certain quarterbacks you have chemistry with. <sighs> it's crazy. J-Dub loved throwing left. So my that was my best fall camp was 01 by far. They schemed up a ton of plays for me. I'm the punt returner. I'm the kick returner. I mean, I'm thinking this is about to be it. The game feels like high school to me. It really felt like high school at that point. Jay, I'm like, I know what I'm doing. I know coverages. I'm not a kid anymore. I have more strength. I have, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm two years removed from my knee injury or three years removed from my knee injury. So my knee feels good. I'm squatting four plates and whatever. I'm benching 225, 14 times. I mean, I feel good, man. Like I feel good. I didn't really think about the NFL. I was never a guy. I just kind of wanted to face the season and, and do the best I could to be a contributor for the squad. But I was poised and, and, Fall camp, I beat Jay Norm. So 2000 season, we're both splitting reps. 2001, I'm the H, right? Like, like you know, I'm a focal point of the offense, and I'm thinking it's going to be a big year. I think Jay Norm goes on to catch like 48 balls, and MC plays a little. MC takes my role as the split between X and H after I get hurt. Mm. But, uh, Barry, uh, Jay Dub. It's like it's like Aaron Rodgers. When we play with hype, hype got the ball where it needed to go. And 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 I'll never critique or criticize hype because hype was he just was a general, bro. He was a he was a Baker Mayfield, just a different version of Baker. You know what I'm saying? That's just how hype was on the field. You had to be in the huddle to know what I mean. Yeah. But J Dub's a guy where when you catch his in cut, you're catching it in the pocket with zip so the defense can't converge on the ball and you're out the gate. Like 2001 fall camp, I'm catching all of us, not just me, but like it's different because we had only played with hype and it's kind of like, oh, you catch a curl with hype and you expect to turn around and get hit. Oh, you catch a slant from hype, maybe a slant because it's quick game, but I just like a dig. You catch a dig from hype, it's, you know, the safety's coming down or, or there's not, the yak is not as much. All of a sudden we're playing with J-Dub and the ball has a different zip. And there's there's just different openings we never experienced with 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 Nate. And here's here's the proof in the pudding. J Dub goes on, and I think you know obviously the game has changed today. But look at the amount of yak yards that Clayton and 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 T Will 
and you know what I'm saying? Rankins, like those guys caught the rock and got to get busy. Quick screens, by the way, quick screen, you you brought this up with Dylan and your film assessment on 360. Yeah. You showed, you know, Petty versus Dylan in that Baylor offense, you know, 18 years ago versus our offense now. When you when when J Dub catches that and he's automatically taking it off, boom, it's off his shoulder and it's in your hands. And that defense loses that half a second to converge. That half a second is time to get busy. And I never got to experience it. I get hurt. Let's see. I play week one against North Carolina. And boy, the fans are pissed just because I I don't even think I think I had two catches for 12 yards or something. Like, I think the offense was anemic. Roy and the defense kills them. I think we I think maybe maybe. um Q has some big plays in the run game, but offensively throwing the ball, it's like maybe Nate has 180 yards. I think. Yeah, it wasn't great. I remember that. Oh man, it yeah. was, the, the the fans are pissed. Game defense two, looked great. I think the defense defense like killed it. Touchdowns. Defense killed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Defense kills it. Week two, I wanted. Oh, by the way, that's the game. Uh, Roy was talking about. Uh, what's Buddy's name? I played for North Carolina and got rookie of the year. Oh, Peppers. Oh, Pepper. Listen, listen. There's a play. We're running ace flip. We're running ace flip bubble. And I'm and I, it's to me, it's two on three. Oh, it's a touchdown. I mean, I I assume Dre and uh, who was I don't know if it was Dre and Kurt, whoever it was. In our eyes, we're like it's a tug, right? Frank's playing left tackle. His only job is to get Ep down. All he has to do is cut him. Just flash. Just flash. That's all he has to do. Go watch the play. <laughs> Nate gets the ball. <laughs> Frank. I, I I have to take a jab step. So as I jab, I see Frank going in to sub him. I'm like, oh man, he's got pepper on the ground. This is money. Our spacing's correct, so the backer can't get there. So I boom, I stick my foot in the ground. I I I have to look outside for two steps, and then I suspect the ball on my foot shoulder. Nate throws a perfect pass. I'm like, oh man, he put it on the upfield shoulder. I'm about to catch this thing and be out there. Hep snatches it out of the sky <laughs> and takes it to the house. He took that thing to the oh crib. I was like, oh my God. I mean, I don't know if Frank cuts him and he gets back up, or I think he kind of just does a, a a burpee. Like he doesn't even, you know what I'm saying? I don't think his chest ever hits the ground. He kind of just does a, a Superman and boom, he's back up and he caught that ball out of the air, bro. He emitted it. And and takes it to the house. He was absurd. Oh, uh, he was ridiculous. He was absolutely ridiculous. But but point is, J Dub is a guy that I often wonder, you know, because two thousand one, my last game is J Dub's coming coming out party, Texas. That's right. I get I get hurt. So I know week two. Week two is Air Force. Oh man, I'm having a great game against Air Force. Like, so Air Force is my first concussion. Wow, this is all coming back to me. So week one, we got we got um. We got UNC. Offense is anemic. Week two, we have Air Force at Air Force. And my God, Roy and Book, go watch what those boys did to that that damn option. That Oh, my God. Roy Lee and Book destroyed their option. But on defense, they're kicking our – again, the O-line is having problems. We're having problems in the O-line. It was center. But I had a great game, and I, and I get hurt third quarter. I get hurt third quarter. So that's my first concussion. Scott's like, Mackie, you're out. I bet I'm out. The next game is North Texas. Again, Roy dominates. He gets another pick six. I'm out that game. I don't play. I want to say the first conference game is K-State. Uh, we jump out to a big lead. They have El Robeson and what's the running back's name that killed us? 
Oh my Actually, you know what? It's not. It's Josh Scobie. They still have Scobie. Yeah, they yeah, they don't have Sproles yet. Yeah. Sproles is next. Yeah, yeah. It's it's El Robertson and Scobie. And by the way, those guys again, and they have a locket. There's a locket on that damn team. And they're just tough, man. They they, they just don't punk out, bro. Like they had a guy named John McGraw who's a safety, and he was killing Nate. Damn. But Nate threw some some darts. He hit Savage for a couple big plays, big, 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 big plays. But I'm out that game. They're saving me for they're saving me but you know they're like hey mac we want you back for for ut and in that game they're starting to talk about dre switching the defense like there's just this conversation like man they need help you know my t obviously has his injury and they need somebody opposite uh d straight and i play the entire game i believe i missed a touchdown i didn't drop it but it's right on my fingertips but in that game nate is ineffective and they bring in J-Dub. And the next week in practice, Kansas week in practice, is the infamous play I told you about where I get my concussion. Ugh. And J-Dub takes over as QB, and we never play together. That is amazing how that worked yeah. out. Jeez, yeah. man. Because, I mean, he had – he goes on to have his own little injury bug. And sure. Just a, amazing, though, what – if the, we have a lot of younger OU fans, you know, who haven't necessarily, they didn't get to watch him play in, in his heyday. Yeah. I know we got a lot of people who are fans of Jalen's who, who's got a podcast now on the platform. Go check that out to uh, Jalen Ross. But J Jason White, man, was such a, had he been able to stay healthy? I mean, I, honestly, I think he should have won the Heisman Trophy both years. He just, the, I, I thought that what wasn't Adrian Adrian Peterson was in the second one. It was Liner Bush. Yeah, it was two OUs, two at USC's. It was right. one of those deals where because Jay had already won it, it was unprecedented to get it back to back. Obviously, uh, OG buddy from Nebraska did twenty years prior. Um, but yeah, AD being such a phenomenal freshman took a lot of his, you know. Mm his buying power and then ad being a freshman it had never been done right so a freshman had never won it so they didn't want to give it to him even though he has essentially a two thousand yard season and doesn't start until week five how about that yeah he essentially ran for 2k and didn't start until texas his first start as a sooner is texas bro that's freaking crazy um i don't think jay i think i think ad deserves 04 I think AD had a, I mean, um, he has a more, uh, a bigger issue with how things played out. But then again, who who can complain about, I think 04 is Lionheart and then 05 is Bush. Is that right? That's right. Yep. Yep. Lionheart won like, in 04. I feel like, I feel, yeah, I feel like Lionheart yeah. won in 04. And then Bush, which all-time great to, you know, guys too, right? Like both of those guys, college football, they're two of the best to ever play their position at, at the college level. Liner was just a dog in college. Um, and just, I think that was just a fun time. Um, I still say that's the best OU team in the Bob Stoops era. That team plays any team best of, you know, best to, uh, it's tough, man, because the 03 defense is light years better than the 04 defense. But that 04 offense was just so freaking fun. I mean, that's literally every every starter, O line, the the entire offense was just you got AD, JD Runnels, Mark Clayton, uh, Mark Bradley, 
you got Travis Lewis or Travis Wilson, you know, then you got uh Willie P and Rank at at depth. Like that receiver group, Man, that everybody. skill group, that skill group, brother, like Oh, I forgot about Brandon Jones. I didn't even bring up Brandon yeah, Jones. Like Brandon Jones. That's those receivers, man. And they were all like Mark Bradley, Brandon Jones, Mark Clayton, Willie People, Rank. I still talk to all of them to this day. All of them. They are all like that's how tight we were. We were so freaking tight. It was, it was, but that defense, man, no Tommy Harris. Uh, I don't know if Dusty's on that team. I think Dusty was around, but the D-line, you got L Mitch with a bad wheel. Go watch 2003 Lance Mitchell versus 2004 Lance Mitchell. It's 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 Lance is the best linebacker in college football his first year. He's the best linebacker. And then he comes back after his knee surgery and still a solid player. I think he got all conference maybe, but just not even close. And then 04, no Teddy Lehman, right? So Teddy's yeah, gone in 04. Teddy's gone. Boy. Yeah. Yeah, but who took some of Mitchell's reps? What was Roof. that? Roof Rufus took the yeah. Aaron Allen was backing him up. Okay. Aaron yeah. Allen, uh, Roof, and then of course you had Zach Latimer and you had Clint Ingram. So those are Jeez. those are the backers, and of course they're pups, right? Zach wasn't a pup. Zach's an upperclassman. Clint's getting some burn at the Sam. Um, Gay Ron's playing the Willie backer, and you got Roof coming in as a pup too. Golly, man. <laughs> Uh, I know, right? Like you talk about dudes, bro. And then yeah. and then Lance leaves, and then you got Roof and and CI Clint Ingram, and then you got Russell Dennison, who's a crazy man on special teams. You know the next, and then you got uh, Lewis Baker, who was an undersized, you know, effort guy. Man, well, one thing we can probably agree on is OU will not be rolling out that kind of depth at linebacker. <laughs> I know, right? People weekend. are going to be pissed off that I'm railing out these names. <laughs> I know. So given that Lewis Baker and, and uh, Lance Mitchell are not going to be suiting up for the Sooners, <laughs> what, what what score do we have uh, for this oh, one, God. D-Mac? Oh, man, listen, man. We're going to win this damn game. I don't know how, Barry. I don't know how. I don't know how. Um. But I, I'm going to be an optimist this week. Last week, I freaking jinxed us and said, I think this is the first game I'm going to call a loss. But I just felt like, uh, so I think I was like, okay, since now I got the charm, I'm going to go ahead and say, oh, you wins. I believe, here's how I think we can win. If you ask me my honest assessment, I think Dylan Gabriel has to play to his ceiling. And with their defense being a shell of itself last year, and we have some guys emerging, um, Gray being an all-conference caliber guy, I think he'll be a third team or potentially a second team guy. He just might the way be he's first team, man. I he's mean, not going to be first. You know, Bajan is going to be first. Oh, oh Bajan is going to be first. He was. Bajan had a thousand yards like two games ago, bro, and then he was really instrumental in the in the K State win. He's the best, but like he's the best. He's the best running back in America, by the way. I hate yeah. to say it. He's a, he's a Longhorn. Kid's a stud. I hope he goes second to the Niners team. when he gets to. Actually, we don't need him. We got CMC, but. He's a stud, but I think, I think Gray's an all-conference guy. And if, if, if Dylan can connect on the plays that the offensive game plan schemes, and of course, if Mims will catch all of the balls that are catchable, um, or if we'll scheme some of those balls to Farouk and Willis, I think that puts enough pressure on them because we do have a pretty opportunistic defense where if, I, if, 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 um, turnovers are there they'll go get them so 
We win the turnover battle. Dylan and Mims connect on the plays we missed that make the West Virginia game a, a laugher. And on defense, you know, we bend but don't break. We give up some plays. They pick up some yards. But because our opportunistic defense makes plays, because Dylan Gabriel connects with Mims and Farouk, and then obviously Gray is going to keep him honest because he's, you know, he's probably the best player on the field when, when the offense has the ball. Uh, I think we win by nine points. Mm. I think we win by nine points. I think the fans, um, uh, you know, leave feeling satisfied. By the way, huge recruits in town. Huge recruits in town. Obviously, there's some there's some names people know. Hicks is going to be in town. Bowen's going to be in town. Jackson, those guys are going to be in town. There's a couple of names that maybe everyone doesn't know. Yeah, will also be in town. I think the Palace on the Prairie will be rocking night game. Man, OU wins by nine points. I think we score five TDs. I'm gonna go thirty-seven. I'm gonna go thirty-seven to 28 wow. 37 28 oklahoma sooners we we get bowl eligible we get a couple surprise commits by some big time players because they have the time of their life um and we come on the post game pod and uh i drink a glass of scotch and smoke a cigar and say let's go bowling baby yeah man i, I think it might be time to break out the wine if they go bowling man <laughs> <laughs> so uh I was I'm right there along with you, man. I, I got the Sooners at 37 points. I, I was a little low on them to start the week, but the spread on this game has been interesting. It, it started at eight and a half. It's stayed right around seven and a half. So the, I, I think we're um I, I think we're at a point where the Vegas kind of knows this team. And I, I think we're gonna see a sooner. Almost cover, but definitely a Sooner victory. I'm going to go 37-30, and I think the Sooners get it done. And as you said on the recruiting side, a lot of big names you know, going to be there this week. Uh, some names you know about, some names you don't know about. We talked about it on the recruiting podcast for Sooners 360. So guys, make sure you go check that out. Go leave us a rating and review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you guys get your podcasts, and go listen to uh, the Blitz Report with uh, with uh, Jalen Ross. Um, it's a awesome podcast that's going to be a part of this platform. Definitely worth the uh, the listen. We're we're so glad to have him on. But uh, good stuff today, DMac. Um, anything you want to close people out with? Just saying that you know I'm proud of Jalen, man. Kids a stud. Um, obviously having a relationship with pops and, you know, once I found out that that connection was what it was, I mean, Jalen only told me like, like four months ago that he was, you know, Tristan's son, uh, man, I want to see them win. He's talented. He he's done a great job and man, to be an adolescent, a teenager doing what he's doing, anything we can do to help get him to his next is really important. Sooner nation. I, I want to, let's just take the next 48 hours and enjoy where we're at. Obviously the season has been one where we, we, we you know. This is not our makeup, our DNA, our genealogy, but sometimes you go through these seasons. I'm looking forward to a win here and generating enough momentum to get a win next week. I think we go to Lubbock. Yeah, we played Lubbock and Norman last year. Yeah. Um, I just felt like my energy has been, you know, very accusatory lately. And I want to just kind of have some blind faith for my guys. I feel like, you know, with a good week of practice, uh, that'll happen. 
We've still got good players littered all over the field on both sides of the ball. They just need to step up, make the plays when they matter, and do what's necessary to win. Last but not least, man, um, you know, we need the victory. We need it. <laughs> That's so true. We need it. We just need so the victory, true. man. So looking forward to those guys making it happen. Well, Sooner Nation, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Barry and Mac Show. We will see you soon.